0: Five, four, three, two, one. How about we do it
1: again? again. Six, seven, one. four, three, two, one. I think
0: I'm bored. Okay, let's try one
1: more time. I definitely do it. Like him will do. Make him reveal. can him reveal. Say six. Six. Five.
0: Five. Four. Three. Two. One.
1: Hello, rank review fans. This is your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons and welcome to another action-packed edition. Of rank and review. It's quite the swing we're having in the show these days. Last episode we were talking about classic creature features from the 1930s to the 1950s. Today returning guest Guy Brandon is going to join me to discuss the first six of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films and uh, he, such a generous soul, is Sky that he has committed to do future episodes. So we're going to eventually chew our way through all of the Marvel movies, but we're going to do it six at a time. So uh, I hope you're into that. I hope you have some feedback to give me. As usual, you can send your feedback to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. The website is rankinreview.ca and as you venture forward into this superhero discussion, please understand that there will be swears, and there will be spoilers. Let's get to the action. Thanks, as always, for listening to the show. <clears throat>
0: Let's
1: describe Brandon... Thank you so much for being here yet again. I I, I I hate always hassling my friends for the podcast, but because of who I am, I have to be constantly hassling my friends for the podcast. It's like I can never just have a, a nice howdy, how you doing, catching up conversations. I always got to have an angle. Wow. So, but this uh, is the way to make us actually catch <laughs> up. But what I like is that you were pretty enthusiastic about doing these Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. And... You're claiming it like yeah, the whole going canon. forward. Yeah. Anything that's coming under the stamp of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we Sky and I are going to talk about in order, six movies at a time. Yeah, it's funny. So for this first six, I was thinking about it, watching them all in order, and I watched some of them with my kids. It's nice to be able to do a rank yeah, and review. Yeah, I rewatched I could... <laughs> some with my daughter yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. But this is this is the this is the Coulson story. <laughs> You're right. That's his right? He's introduced. In he's, Iron man he's like the guy he, this, this it's about the whole series the six movies this arc the first run of the cinematic <laughs> chain <laughs> is, is about Coulson. this agent Colson who uh, is asked to do all the dirty laundry for Nick shield in, in and <laughs> this this organization and or Nick Fury pardon me oh, right for four, the, shield. four shield yeah and uh and you know, he basically is the, the glue that slowly kind of brings together. He's the
2: catalyst to, uh, f- that finally kind of makes them work as a team. All of our Avengers as come together. Manipulative and, as, I guess, Fury is. Yeah, at that moment.
1: N- not to go right to spoilers, but exactly right. like you say, when we get to Avengers, he is the sacrificial lamb that is the thing that, that, that lynchpins everybody together, that, that makes the Avengers unite. Well, not that
2: you brought it up, not to sidebar ourselves too quickly, but like I haven't watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV show, but yeah. apparently he lives, on. he lives on somehow in the
1: show, so I'm always like,
2: i got to go check out how the heck... I, they, I don't know if it's they, like they a do...
1: tangent universe, or it's a very comic book thing for a character to oh, die yeah. in one book and then show up in another Absolutely. one, and blah, blah, blah. I will give it... Uh, I will I will let that be, but as far as our discussion going forward uh, in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as far as I'm concerned, unless the movies tell me differently... Colson is dead at the end of The Avengers. Sorry to yep. jump to spoilers, kids, yep. but we do spoilers here on Rank and Review. <laughs> uh, we are we jumped into the, the deep end of the pool. The other thing I, I wanted to mention, because I know you're a big Scorsese fan, and I, I felt like I needed to weigh in on this. Scorsese, of course, came out about how these aren't real movies. It's not true cinema to him. He just, you know, superhero stuff. But right. dismiss, Blah. And I, I love me Martin Scorsese. I did an entire episode dedicated to Martin Scorsese. Some of my favorite movies, period, have been made by Martin Scorsese. Right. But he is dead fucking wrong. I would In agree. this particular case. I mean, uh, I know you haven't seen The Irishman, I'm not going to say any spoilers, and, I, and I'm not a big fan of the OK Boomer movement or whatever, but I can't help but picture, like, at three o'clock in the afternoon in the sets of The Irishman, that there'd be a little nap time, all the guys would get in their reclining <laughs> chairs and have a little kip so they could get ready for the next shot, like, it... It's sort of... It's almost a sad statement of... is just like his refusal to accept what is popular and mainstream is sort of him, you know...
2: Yeah, I agree. I, showing actually, his hand. That I, he might be past a, it. I came across an interview with Tim Blake Nelson. Oh, yes. Who actually... He appears, was he, yeah. he appears in The Incredible Hulk. And, and there's been long-standing chatter about whether or not he will be brought back into the fold uh, as the leader. Because that's that character, with the enlarged head. They kind of show his... Anyways, we'll talk about that when we get to the Hulk. Uh, anyways, he was having this great interview and they asked him to comment on it. And his response was like, yeah, that's exactly what I think. He's like, well, Logan is cinema. Yeah. Like, that's not just like some kind of flashy superhero movie. Um, De Niro is in Joker. Yeah. And I would, you know, it's certainly... It's a, it's, it's a yeah, but it, but it's coming from that comic lore. So, and Nolan's Batman trilogy kind We're of. I fucking
1: saw that coming, by the way, from the director of the Hangover trilogy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I
2: still haven't seen it. I should okay. say that too. I said I've been tracking it. And we'll, stick we'll stick to Marvel.
1: We'll stick to Marvel. We'll come to DC another time. Yes, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Uh, No, it sucks to hear Martin Scorsese. I hate it when people who I respect say really dumb
0: things.
2: (laughs) But I think Hedy said, you know, it's just not my cup of tea. Fine. And had left it there. It's like, yeah, cool. But but to say something to the effect of... Now, apparently he came up with a response, which I hadn't read the follow-up article, where I, I guess he tried to... I don't know, clarify what he meant by cinema. Like, I don't know if it has, like, a certain criteria. I, There's
1: a, I understand the argument that, that there is a very clear market and product thing happening here. Like, these comic book characters are things that we grew up on, and they're being fed back to us by this big Hollywood machine mm-hmm. anchored by the behemoth that is Disney, you know? I don't do a lot of Disney movies on this show, <laughs> but that's the that's the penetrating power of these Marvel movies. Even someone who's Disney-resistant get sucked yeah. into this but, Marvel But now universe. they got Star Wars too, so... So, I get it, like, if you're if you if you're cynical about just the fact that, you know, they chum the waters and here we swim up, <laughs> then whatever. But I, I sort of feel similarly about people who are utterly dismissive of the Harry Potter se- franchise, right. or who are just completely dismissive of the whole Middle-Earth trans- franchise. Whether I mean, The Hobbit's a whole conversation, but, like, if you don't appreciate the amazing filmmaking that went into that... The fact that the level of forced perspective work in yeah. every single shot right. that has to be invisible that you don't even see like that if you can't appreciate the the, the that level of like creative filmmaking you're just resistant to the product you just decided you didn't like it and you don't like it and I firmly believe that And I'm sure I have my blinders for it but it seems specifically in fantasy there's people take hard line on it right. you either love Star Wars or you fucking hate Star Wars or just don't understand <laughs> what all the fuss is about at all it's like me in sports I just don't understand what all the fuss is about with sports most of the time I, I can you know I can get excited in, a, in the right group but I'm just like I, I, I'm very rarely passionate about it right but I understand it's and not and my everyone thing. has their yeah. their things, and I would be totally happy to say, you know, uh, I'm glad you're all jazzed about this MMA tournament. It's not my thing, but but you know, if if that's what's floating your boat today for sure. But I'm not going to say you're stupid for liking it, or that the whole thing is it's not a real sport, or that you know. Absolutely, <laughs> I, uh, I will just say it's not for me. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is for me. It's what the little boy Larry wanted when he grew up in small town Alberta reading comic books. I was less a superhero guy, but I would read any comic book anybody gave me to read. I'd do that, but I was much more of a fantasy Conan the Barbarian sort of, or like the old school, you know, grim, scary Tales from the Crypt type of comic books anything that i forbidden like I shouldn't be allowed to read Like those
2: cone like the oversized cone yeah ones? yeah, like, yeah my, my, our friends across the back alley in Melfort the, the Miski family <laughs> um there's like six boys in that family and uh Brian the youngest was my sister's age and then like I was in between and anyways we'd go over there and play video games quite often and his older brother's had the Conan the Barbarian one. I know what you mean. It's like, oh my god, I don't think I should be reading this. Well, and this
1: is an aside, but it's a comic book movie discussion. Uh, The Savage Sword was sold as a magazine, hence the bigger size and the bigger print and the black and white inside right. so they could get away with more adult content because it was a, a magazine because and not a, a comic book. black and white the violence was really brutal but it was black and white and they got as close to showing nudity as they possibly could without showing Yep. <laughs> here's all of a boob except for the, the forbidden nipple <laughs> anyway marvel cinematic universe bring it back around <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what more i want to say as we go in i i think that it'll be interesting since we're going to be doing a whole series of episodes of this over yeah. a long period of time that i'm going to talk about origin fatigue mm-hmm. when we that makes sense. we have the movie where we're going to establish our new hero and the movie's going to be about how this person became this hero and usually as a result the villain or the adversary becomes an afterthought so i mean it's fresh and new at this stage in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's fresh and new to the audience as they're watching it.
2: Especially maybe for those that aren't familiar with some of the characters. The characters, right?
1: Yeah. But uh, I think that's going to be something that, especially going forward in the modern age of Marvel, they're going to have to be careful about it. Or, 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 or do some more stuff, like they introduced this Scarlett Johansson character as a peripheral character in yes. Iron Man 2, and we slowly realized who she was and how she was going to play into the whole team sneak a few characters in the back way might yeah. be the might Spider-Man's be a good example too yeah. in terms
2: of just dropping him in Civil War and I'm getting like a couple episodes yeah yeah yeah, yeah no, but yeah but
1: they're like we uh, we want
2: to do this thing because it's going to set up a whole bunch of ideas down the road and everyone's seen this origin twice nobody
1: wants now, another origin so let's universe. just get him in here he comes here yeah. comes Spider-Man this is the one you want yeah. and he's actually a teenager Yeah. okay I think we should start the yeah, episode. We'll like uh, ju- episode yeah or will be like a five hour episode just for the record we're going to be talking about Iron Man The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America The First Avenger, and The Avengers. It's great to see you, brother. Thanks, man. Let's see if this dog can hunt. So the upgrade is complete. Tell you what, throw a little Hot Rod Red in there.
0: Good luck keeping on. What's
1: going on here? Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. There's been speculation that I'm parading around as a superhero. I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly. So, John Favreau became, like, the unlikely savior of science fiction. I, 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 Time has been good to him I don't since know, he
2: did this movie in 2008.
1: Other than maybe Rogue One, the best new Star Wars that I've seen has been his TV show, The Mandalorian.
2: It's got a lot of people happy.
1: And, uh, you know, he did the forgotten, but I think very solid, Jumanji spin-offs yep. And a very popular indie romance swing <laughs> comedy, Swingers uh sort of established it's his still one of my favorite movies yeah, established him i wasn't as big on made the his follow-up right. to that but uh it, it sort of made its whole vibe out of sort of snide uh, aren't we sarcastic and uncomfortable but you, you never would have guessed from those two movies that he would become this amazingly technically proficient action film director even his misses like uh well, I watched Jungle Book uh, with my
2: daughter you know a while ago now but like he's juggling t- tons of
1: oh, it's a special sci-fi effects, effects
2: yeah CG it's yeah I,
1: I reviewed Cowboys and Aliens long after the, the you know fuss had died down over how terrible it was and it wasn't a great movie but it wasn't a really well made movie it was like a mess but it was a mess made by someone who like knew how to right. make an action movie um so, Iron Man is an interesting case because here we are kicking down the gates to the Marvel Cinematic Universe with a character that's very popular in comic books but has never been seen really in any serious degree in any medium beyond the pages of comics that I can think of. I think you're right. I can't Maybe recall. an animated cartoon yes. somewhere along Yeah, along yeah there the way, I'm, I'm
2: sure. Yeah, absolutely. But in terms of like TV shows and things like that, I can't recall if there was ever something that he popped up in
1: and by all accounts of the production this is a classic case of the the, the train is running and they're laying down the tracks just ahead of it as it's going down yeah. shit's being rewritten on the fly a lot of people are not super confident with the choice of Robert Downey I was, Jr. I was, that's definitely something I was going to bring up rolling he's, the dice on someone yeah, he's yeah. on the upswing he seems to be doing well but can he center the Marvel Cinematic Universe will this be the thing that brings him back down again there was a lot working against it. And considering everything working against it, it's incredible how well the movie still holds up, as far as I'm concerned. It does suffer from originitis, but trying to remember the experience of seeing it when it was brand new. It's very like I I felt less bothered by the fact that the villain even though it's played by my, one of my favorite actors Jeff yeah. Bridges is a total afterthought <laughs> to the movie, right? Yeah. And, and then there's a big bit. robot fight, right? Yeah, and that <laughs> happens
2: again in part 2, which we'll talk about when we get to part exactly.
1: 2. Exactly. But um Robert Diner Jr is instantly charming. The movie has a lot of energy and it immediately establishes this vibe that the Marvel universe is really good at and that It lets you laugh, it lets you breathe, but it still establishes a world of stakes. When shit happens, it still kinda matters. Nothing is a complete joke. And and for me, I I didn't
2: mind, especially with this one, taking the time with The Origin because, I think in part, because he had not been given a movie yet. And in terms of the comic books that I have collected over the years when I was younger and stuff, I usually tried to find titles that had just come out and weren't long-standing because I never liked jumping into something midstream. Right. So it wasn't a comic book or character that I collected on a regular basis at all. Right. So, yeah, and I felt like they gave they gave it a lot of heart, like, from the beginning. It wasn't a rush to, like, you know, superhero
1: sci-fi. It's over yeah. an hour in the movie until he's in the suit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, like the, it it the a quintessential clear, Iron Man yeah, suit. It has I mean.
2: a clear, like, three-act structure, and that whole you're right it's not until much later do we like oh my god we finally get the iron man
1: there he is and it's a great moment when he first takes the suit for a spin yeah like it's just iron man riding through the sky like we're gonna see a million times again but (laughs) it's it's this thrilling moment because here he is in the suit and he's like having a blast we're vicariously having a blast with him and the special effects seem credible like uh I love the whole sequence when he's testing the suit in the garage and his relationship with all his super intelligent robots, robots. that he has <laughs> that helps build it. But it's, it just rides the line because it's comic booky the way he gets thrown across the room and then gets up and dusts himself off. But it doesn't seem incredible. It's not so much that you're like, no.
2: They very quickly established a tone in the movies that they are able to continue on in terms of a level of humor that sustains it in a different way than something that Nolan was doing with the Batman movies at around the same time Yeah, which is not to knock that I actually love what he did with those movies in terms of a darker, say more realistic and not that this isn't realistic but there's a level of humor through all the movies that are very reminiscent of the comic books characters that make like quips and great one-liners and well, I think it was I mean, refreshing, I think, for a lot of people.
1: It could have been that because, you know, the, this is the, the Nolan's darker DC universe thing was going on and that's what they thought people wanted. And, and mm-hmm. they start, you know, you know, Tony Stark meets a bunch of really likable guys in the back of this Humvee and they're all instantly killed and he is nearly killed. And then he's like taken in by this terrorist organization and it seems like, oh no, this is going to be super dark and not fun at all. But no, they, there's the stakes. We get the humor, then we get the stakes, and that's that mix is what Marvel does incredibly well. And yeah. they, they raid right out of the gate, raid right out of the gate. I also got to say, um, not a popular thing to say, but I'm not often a fan of Gwyneth Paltrow, but I think that she's a good fit for this part. And I think it's
2: I think it's in part because her and Downey Jr seem to work vibe yeah there's something about the two of them together i think that really make it click
1: yeah yeah because uh, she's you know a spunky character to match you know the cynicism and sarcasm of stony of stony tark <laughs> of tony stark um there was also the big fuss over terrence howard one of the highest paid actors in this particular movie, but never to be seen again in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Re-
2: replaced by the very talented Don Cheadle.
1: Hey, and I heard Steven Soderbergh once said to me, or not to me, I heard, I heard him say, if, if you can have Don Cheadle in your movie, just have Don Cheadle in your right, movie. Right, find a way to put yeah, him in. It's, you know, it's never going uh, yeah. to be a problem he probably, if you he, have Don Cheadle in your movie. He makes the movie better, he makes making the movie better, <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, so I you know, believe, believe. Um, it is interesting though, again, it's probably because of this perspective of knowing that from this point forward it's being played by a different character, just how much looser and how much warmer Don Cheadle just is as an actor and as a, a like, in that role. Yeah. I get that that character is a tough military, you know, he he's constantly exasperated by... <laughs> Tony's antics. Tony's antics, absolutely. Yeah. And so there is a serious side to him, but they are genuinely bros, and I didn't feel the bros as much in this movie
2: with Terrence Howard in the role yeah Yeah. and it, it also set the tone in terms of the business side of things just how willing Marvel Studios was is like no we're not we're not doing that. Like if, if t- that's not
1: working, we're fixing it yeah. right now. It's we're not yeah. gonna wait till three movies from now to fix that problem.
2: Yeah, and which I'm sure we'll talk about in the next one too. Well,
1: and again, we're cycling through directors and do they play yeah. well with others creatively. And other I was groups. trying
2: to track that too, this time and watching an order, like I would make little notes to myself, I was like, is this the same like, oh, it's the same you know, oh, it's a completely different writer, for example, or that one's like, ah, same composer, so that's carried over or um, Things like, oh, okay, they, this is the first time they wrote for Marvel, say like Marcus and McFeely, for example, but then they end up writing tons of stuff down the road, which I'm God, that makes sense because this
1: one... They have a good eye for picking interesting directors but maybe not assigning them to the right projects.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I
1: kind of get this feeling and then, you know, they have this creative fallout that comes. Like, usually their instincts seem dead right. Yeah. Like Edgar Wright directing Ant-Man. That seems like a really good idea to me. Like, I see where they're coming from. Anyway, Iron Man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's tough to not <clears throat> reference other ones. We get, we get distracted. Yes, Jeff Bridges is the afterthought of a villain in this movie. And if they're trying to make this, like, shocking reveal when he finally pull, pulls the switch on, on Tony, the, the fact that he's got this shaved head and this sharp goatee and this scowl on his face, it's... I'm never going to say anything bad about Jeff Bridges. I love you yeah. Jeff Bridges. But maybe because this was a new feeling out the comic book thing. We had the X-Men movies. So he was maybe a little bit more comic book than was asked for. <laughs> yeah. yeah his, compared his to look, everyone else. His
2: look was so
1: different from how
2: he normally looks. I think that that for me, I was like, oh, that's at least it's a different look. But it certainly was no... I like The very first time I watched it years ago, I'm like... Well, he's gonna be the bad guy yeah.
1: like he's he's or he's in on it something he's like judge doom in in who framed roger rabbit the second he walks on screen while well, he did it yeah right
0: like, <laughs> you know, somehow like just like
1: yeah. yeah enter the villain yeah <laughs> uh, I just can't overstate the general beat-by-to-beat charm throughout the movie it's constantly fun and uh, the newness of it hasn't really shaked off like I said I got thrilled by seeing Tony flying in the suit for the first time. Watching it again with with, yeah. with my son, and it's just like, that's that's well played, you guys. Yeah. So yeah, Using does the third act feel kind of weak when it turns into a big robot fight and there's a big explosion? And yeah, yeah. But the movie's been good enough and fun enough, and it, it, it that serves as an adequate enough you know <laughs> cherry to the top of the proceedings that it, it, it doesn't break the movie by any stretch of the imagination could i say that the first half of the movie is significantly better than the second yes yeah but I would, would i tell anybody to not watch iron man no
2: <laughs> well again i think it tied into that heart is that the whole sequence of him in the cave and um and we'll jump ahead i know i don't want to reference stuff a couple ep- you know episodes down the road right. too but like finding really good ways of tying in characters and, and moments they get talked about. So even like being in the cave and him really being told by his fellow captive, it's like, oh, we've actually met once before. Yeah. And then you actually get to see that moment that they meet. Once upon a time. They built that. it in once upon a time, they built yeah. it in later. Like all these little threads that the people have picked up from the movies that came before and have found ways to expand kind on of
1: unprecedented, film. too, right? Like, as far as... Because it's not one character. It's not like the James Bond franchise where we have characters that come and go throughout it. These are a bunch of different movies with their own characters, their own origins, their own like mm, I, I was
2: shocked, again, Like I guess I should have known that, they, of course they did this, but the moment when Jeff Daniels is starting to really lose his shit... Or Bridges. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry, thank you. Jeff Bridges uh, loses it on... Um, One of his fellow scientists. He's like, you know, you need to figure this out.
1: Tony Stark did this in a cave. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) That scene, that exact same actor, is in fact the one that they use in Spider-Man Far From Home.
1: Oh, really? I missed that. Yeah. And so they do this little thing
2: where they, you know, where Mysterio is kind of like, and you did this, and you did that, and yeah, you, and then they did a little drop scene to try to remind us. I'm like, oh, I wonder if they just kind of created that scene to try right. No, it is,
1: there he is it is the
2: same scene and they went and got the same actor that was yelled at by my Jeff Bridges to come back like over a decade later yeah. to play that same like minor character and flushed it
1: up. Well, we're slowly being exposed to and collecting infinity stones throughout these movies. We just yeah. don't really know that yet. So again, bravo to everything going on behind the scenes. And uh, some of the movies later on, and we'll talk about it in this episode, start to suffer because they start setting up other things and that gets in the way of the narrative of the movie they're trying to, to right. talk about right now. Right,
2: because it's doing another function for something later down the
1: road. Happily in this case, the origin story is focused on Iron Man and they're not too preoccupied with the bigger universe beyond <laughs> Tony Stark They're <right laughs> just now.
2: trying to make this one work.
1: Yeah, and the fact that it does, it might have just been like lightning in a ball and bland luck, but it certainly started them off in a really good way like well they were gambling right? in terms of they they rolled the dice
2: in the fact that they right from this first movie they got that post credit scene at the end where they introduced Nick Fury with Sam L. Jackson like if you're going to go out of your way to go get Samuel L. Jackson for a stinger for like a for a thing for people who if they stuck around for the end of the credits it's like holy crap like Mm
1: -hmm. they
2: might not know but they're like I don't know where we'll go with this but let's just throw this out there and hopefully we get to make more yeah yeah um, the, the, other, the one, the last thing at least I wanted to throw in there about that is I was like man this score like not just the ACDC tracks which I loved but I'm like the score is really good and when I checked yeah, I'm probably going to screw up his last name but it's Ramin Jawadi who then went on and did the score for Game of Thrones oh nice which is why like I don't think he was back on any more Marvel movies because he was constantly doing the Game of Thrones shows right. and then I looked he's actually doing Eternals Oh, wow,
1: the next one. Later, Marvel. this,
2: which is the Marvel one after Black Widow. So now that I guess he's done with that, they're finding a way
1: to bring him on to bring back.
2: him back on. I'm like, oh, I wonder if we're going to start seeing some of this, where people go off and do things for a while and say, hey, come on back, and now we'll do another one.
1: I like the thread of classic rock being sewn into these movies. It just sort of makes them relevant again, because yeah. there's so stuff I like. But like
2: The ACDC tie to Iron Man's is great. Like yeah. Every time he's in for a movie, sure. like...
1: Yeah. But then we got the Zeppelin and Thor Ragnarok, and we got like right. some classic good. Anyway, I don't know what more I want to say about Iron Man. I, I liked it a lot. I mean, it's it's one of the more popular movies of the last 20 years. I, 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 I'd be very surprised if it's finding anyone's ears who haven't actually seen the movie. But if you're one of those people, come on, man, catch up. That's right. Keep going.
0: I've got a problem. There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. See a shrink?
1: It's a little bit more complicated than that. Bruce, trust me when I tell you I've heard them all. Not this one. We've never seen anything even close to your levels of exposure.
2: That you survived an event like that, it's beyond my
0: comprehension.
1: I don't want to control it. I want to get rid of it. As far as I'm concerned, that man's whole body is property of the U.S. Army.
0: They want it as a weapon. If we let it go, we will never get it back. What was the that? There's only one thing that can fight that. It's in me. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it.
1: So, Edward Norton being cast as the Incredible Hulk seems like a kind of a bit of a coup, he's sort of a prestige actor, but also kind of appropriate when you look at, like, some of his establishing roles, like that Primal Fear movie, he's yeah. playing a dude with a, well, pretending to have a split personality, I guess, but he's able to switch between these two personalities these two characters very effectively and convincingly on screen, uh, the whole fight club thing he's able to have characters with duality even in the much maligned death to smoochie he's got this really really sweet oh gosh everything's gonna turn out okay part of him and this really dangerous repressed anger (laughs) that's that's all (laughs) deeply buried underneath it so i get it and uh i i was really disappointed i mean when Ang Lee did his version of the Hulk and Eric, I heard Eric, that Banner. Eric Banner was going to do it I was like oh shit that's a lock Chopper Reed as the Hulk boom but then I realized when I watched the movie that Eric Banner wasn't playing the Hulk
2: right he's, the, he's Banner
1: he played Banner and Banner was not that interesting especially in that movie unfortunately uh, I see a little bit more he's still obviously a special effect but I see a little bit more of Norton at least the influence of the performance in the Hulk here which i like mm-hmm. and i think you know the big monster bash and spectacle that we eventually serve between tim roth's <laughs> abomination. <clears throat> abomination and and the hulk delivers what i would have wanted as a 12 year old who would have read those in the panels of a comic book it's directed by louis Leterrier. it's not one of the more celebrated of the marvel movies and yeah it it is a big bug fight of a movie it's not as smart and it's when i guess part of the problem is maybe when it's trying to be smarter than it it essentially is (laughs) um but you know for me watching it again with my kids i had fun with it and they had fun with it and any of the problems of the movie i was able to forgive because of the amount of fun that i was having now if eventually when we get to Whatever episode we decide we want to stack the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. No, it's probably not going to land super hot. I would agree. Yeah. But do I think The Incredible Hulk sucks? No, I don't. I think it's fun. I think it's it's, it's maybe just like a B minus or a C plus to uh, Iron Man's like A minus. I would agree. But uh, it's it's fun enough. It's got a good enough pace. It's got a good enough energy. It holds my attention.
2: Yeah, and like what it did do. That we kind of talked about earlier is that they're like we don't need to see another Hulk origin. Origin. Like they just use the opening sequence to kind of just touch on him becoming the Hulk and like oh okay, Liv Tyler is okay right oh oh William Hurt okay that's probably gonna be important. Like it was all done in the opening sequence and he's by the time the movie starts proper. He's already on the run and has you know, been gone for a while.
1: William Hurt's still in the franchise, too. Yeah. Well, they recast yep. Edward Norton, but they, they did not recast... And I
2: think because they recast Edward Norton um, with Mark Ruffalo in the Avengers movie, I think that's a big reason why this one doesn't get talked about as, as much. much. It's because the, it's, it was kind of the first time and really the only time in the whole sweep of movies where the lead was replaced. Right. they've had other movies where you know, Terrence Howard is replaced he's an important character but he's not Iron Man yeah. he's, he's you know a main supporting character but he's not the main character and this was the first time by the time they hit Adventures it's like uh.
1: as much as it pains me to take the side of Disney executives I think that might have been something that needed to happen um, not just because Mark Ruffalo has just become, I think, kind of iconic in the role, and it's just a much warmer, likable presence. I'm sorry, Edward Norton, but it's just true. Yeah. But I think there's a reason that Edward Norton was recently nominated for uh, an Academy Award for playing an unbearably pretentious actor. <laughs> I think that he's difficult to work with. I think he might be getting better in his older age. He's been working with some Wes Anderson, and I don't think he's calling plays on a Wes Anderson set but there was a time where he wouldn't involve himself in a movie unless he got a production credit, a screenplay credit and he was a key creative component, if not the key creative component of your movie. And I'm sorry, having made a movie, it's a collaborative. Yeah. It's a collaborative process. No one should say fuck you are doing it my way, not even the director as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, if the cinematographer says that's where he thinks the light needs to be, respect the cinematographer. Right, they, <laughs> right? they, they probably know what they're they talking about. They probably know what the fuck they're talking about. And again, the whole thing with Edward Norton saying, I don't want to you know, feed into this reputation of being difficult because they didn't do my script, but I'm not going to promote this Marvel movie. If you don't want the rep- reputation of being difficult, then... <laughs> you, you're playing the Incredible Hulk. You're playing a guy who gets irradiated by gamma rays and turns into a green rage monster, and you can't fucking do a press conference for it without sticking your nose up in the air. No, you're the wrong person for this job. Yep. You're and the wrong person for this job. You're a great actor, but you're not the Hulk. You're the wrong guy.
2: And one they said Again, I think this does tie into making the call with whatever the negotiations with Terrence Howard end up doing. Like, within these two movies they replaced their main actor in Hulk and they replaced one of the main supporting actors in Iron Man. And I think that sent a message to everybody who's probably ever negotiated with them since. Mm-hmm. It's team like players, Yeah, team, team players. players. Yeah, and, if, and if you're not, then we will find a way to move on. And probably became, I, I suspect, because it hasn't really happened in the same way since these first two movies in terms of replacing people of that import.
0: Yeah
2: that probably their legal team got really good at contracts <laughs> very quickly in terms of language and like when people are in for a movie like this is this is the deal like it goes up like this where I'm locking you in for so many movies and so many cameos like this is what you're signing up for yeah, yeah.
1: but again that's all peripheral to the movie itself we find Bruce Banner uh, hiding in a some sort of what pop factory, whatever kind of energy drinks or whatever that they're making in somewhere in Central America.
2: Or I think he's in Brazil. Brazil? Yeah, I think he Uh,
1: starts in Brazil and then works his way up. Up, okay. Anyway, uh, he's been living on the lam and he hasn't had uh, a Hulk out in quite a (laughs) while. And we get to, luckily, within the first 20 minutes of the movie, bear witness to a proper Hulk out. Uh, and I, I really like that first scene where, you know, it's a little bit monster movie. The Hulk is just silhouetted. He appears from the shadows quickly. Or just a green hand grabs a guy by the leg and he just disappears out yeah, of frame. It's a playbook out of Jaws, right? <laughs> just don't show the monster too soon. We're going to spend lots of time with the Hulk. So for this first sequence, yeah. this is like a monster stalking its prey. Like, and I love what a one-way beating it is. <laughs> these guys are just like, these guys are not matched at all. And i got to give points to Tim Roth. I don't think this is a bad movie, but a lot of people are like... It's another case of Tim Roth being a brilliant villain in a not-great movie. He did it in Planet of the Apes. He did it in Rob Roy. He did it like, yeah. like, again and again. He's an awesome villain in a movie that isn't worthy of his presence. <laughs> uh, I think he's really great in this movie. He's got a real inferiority complex. When he sees the Hulk and how fucking powerful the Hulk is. And like, I want that. Well, and he's like... He's in his late forties, he's past his prime, but uh, there was a time where he was the fucking most lethal person in the world, and he doesn't want that time to be over and whatever he's got to do to keep you know making himself that he'll do it and uh he's not like muha ha ha evil it's all just about himself he's very uh you know naval centric as far as yes. villains go but I liked him once again Tim Roth dependable actor dependable villain
2: yeah yeah and I thought you know it set up a, a really good dynamic between uh, William Hurt's character uh, Thunderbolt Ross uh, who's super important in the comics yeah uh, just that connection of like him trying to then well it's the whole notion of weaponizing the the serum if you will and I thought that you know it's not subtle but it's they're already tying in potential Captain America stuff. like yeah. they they're laying that groundwork in terms of
1: super soldiers.
2: yeah. yeah, yeah. well, we're gonna do it this way. We'll try that. Um, it got a bit, yeah, like it falls apart somewhat for me at the end when it's like, all oh, right, one monster fighting another monster. It's like, how does this monster talk and that monster does? Like I, sometimes my brain's like, oh, Sky stop. Yeah. With that shit. It doesn't really matter. It's two CG uh, monsters fighting each other.
1: When I start twitching and, and, and getting fidgety in my seat is uh, the Liv Tyler uh, making moony eyes at either the hulk or <laughs> at everyone himself it's this role that she's been asked to play again and again she did it in lord of the rings mm-hmm. she did it in armageddon where she just has big wet eyes and stares longingly and worriedly at the at the, the male love interest it's not bad it's just it's so familiar it's like get to the next scene like, I really genuinely loved it. There's a big climactic action sequence that happens on a university campus. Yeah. And it looks like they're right about to have another one of these gushy scenes. And then all of a sudden, bam, <laughs> we get hit by action. I'm like, oh, thank God.
0: Let's <laughs> <laughs> undercut that.
1: Um,
2: but I, you know, for me, this, the this section that worked the most, you know, I, I think the whole movie does work, is when he's, on the, like, when he's literally being chased. Yeah. It feels like a Born Identity movie. Like, the score is great. There's a pace. Like, oh, my God, he's always going to cut down that alley and go that way. I'm like, yeah, like, some of the best stuff in that movie has got nothing to do with the CG.
1: Uh, and I love this idea that he has to keep his heart rate down to a certain level. He can't get too pissed off or else, like, he'll hulk out yeah. against his own will. Yeah. He can, like, keep it. He can keep his powder dry, but it's a focused effort <laughs> yeah. to do it. And... Uh, yeah. I like the, the stakes of that. I kind of miss that going forward. I know we don't get another proper Hulk movie again because the rights are all tied up or whatever. But yes. he can be used as a peripheral character. But for some reason right now, Marvel can't make a standalone Yeah, Hulk it's, uni- movie.
2: it's Universal uh, that has the distribution rights for standalone. a standalone. Yeah.
1: Anyway... Uh, as far as, I, I like that, that that hook, is Banner is terrified of turning into the Hulk, he doesn't at this point have any memory of what happens to him when he's the Hulk, or just sort of a vague after vision maybe, but like uh, so he doesn't know who he's hurt, or what damage he's done, or he might do, so it's something that <laughs> it, it, it could save his life, but it could cost someone else their life, so I like the dramatic stakes of that
2: yeah, they um um, picking up what we talked about with Iron Man you know they drop in another post-credit scene already
1: mm-hmm.
2: bringing Tony Stark to to walk into the bar and have an interaction with, with Ross L- William Hurt yeah. William Hurt's character and like you know I think maybe there was a little rewriting on the fly later on uh, because watching them so close and uh, they seem kind know, of cozy I, I, yeah well yeah and not and not just that it's like uh, you know, later on, it's like the Avenger initiative Well, that was, you know, abandoned. Like, so, like I think they were probably planning to do something a little bit different. Like, ah, let's do it this way, which is which is totally fine. But I do think it's pretty great to see, like, a post-credit scene like that, that soon going. You oh, know, they, they've they've got a map. They I, might not have a detailed road, but they know where they want it to be.
1: And look at it this way: with these first few movies introducing the main Avengers and their new cast and doing this. If, if you treat it the way you would a TV series, that this is several seasons in now, or 20-some movies into yep. it, these are the first few awkward, stumbling episodes when they haven't quite nailed down the characters yet, and you know the, the voice of the show hasn't quite been fully established. All the ingredients are there, but maybe the proportions are not quite to perfection. Yeah,
2: and these first two both came out in 2008, so yeah. I don't think they, they could have predicted as great a success as Iron Man was so I think once they could see those two held up to each other it's like okay this landed a lot closer better, to Iron closer, Man closer <laughs> yeah so uh, we want to start kind of going more this
1: route so let's get Iron Man 2 out as soon as possible exactly is there anything else you want to say about The Incredible World?
2: Uh no the only other thing I kind of noticed like again it's 2008 I'm Like ah, the CG on that one particular doesn't hold up quite as just well just the
1: amount of it
2: yeah, like I'm like I could see the seams mm-hmm. a little more than than as things, but then technology gets better and they, it more appeals. Efficient.
1: It appeals to the child in me. I, I'm so forgiving of that stuff. It's just same thing with the Ang Lee one. That whole scene where he's fighting the the guys at the campus with the whatever. <laughs> audio cannon there's yeah. like shooting sound yeah. waves at yeah. him I like and that he's using sequence. the metal sheet to protect himself and like yeah it looks kind of like a cartoon but it's also sort of awesome <laughs> so yeah. I let it go
2: <laughs> yeah no it wasn't that so much it was more like just in the like when they would try to do close ups on and his the face on his face like that stuff they certainly clearly got better at it mm-hmm as the movies went on. Yeah. And I'm, for me and Mike, that's really the only thing that kind of tipped the hand that it was kind of once it feels like an earlier one. They
1: definitely get next level with the Hulk effect when we get to the Avengers. Yeah. I will agree with you there. <laughs>
0: You come from a family of thieves and butchers. And now, like all guilty men, you try to rewrite your own history. And you forget all the lives the Stark family has destroyed. There will be blood in the water, and the sharks will come.
1: Mickey Rourke is, is going to be the big villain whiplash in this uh, Iron Man 2, and uh, I have a weird thing with Mickey Rourke because he is so schizophrenic in like what he brings to a movie for me. Sometimes having Mickey Rourke in your movie is just a blessing, and sometimes he is the weight that sinks
0: the <laughs> fucking
1: ship. And the weird thing about Iron Man 2, because I wasn't sure what I was going to get, is that I think... Especially for the first and second act of the movie, he works really, really well as the in the shadows. What's he gonna do? He's gonna really mess Tony's world up. But the deeper into the movie, he, just the less interesting. Unfortunately, he becomes part of it. Is the script and the stuff he's asked to do, but part of it is, I'm gonna put to the level of interest it being <laughs> put into the performance by Mickey Rourke. By the time he's doing this smug back and forth with Sam Rockwell in the in the labs, yeah. Uh, there's just nothing scary about him anymore. The good news is, is that the movie's running on an engine of Robert Downey Jr.'s charm, and that doesn't seem to have lost any of its gas at all. No, not.
2: <laughs> and actually, like, I'll just kind of jump right to like my biggest thing with the movie is I actually found I hesitate to call it the subplot because it's also concurrent, but him trying to figure out how to stop the like poison? the poisoning and crack that code and trying to find something. That that I actually had was much more invested in that and the whole stuff about his dad and, you know, getting to look at the thing and realize, oh, my God, this is actually a map to something in terms of if I do this and do that. And like in the watching the video you know, back of his dad getting a message years later, I'm like, yeah. that stuff is like, oh, this is awesome.
0: Yeah.
1: There's a lot of really good stuff in it. I didn't mean yeah. to come out of the gate super, super negative. No, but I think
2: I only bring it up because, like, for me, then, it makes the, the stuff with Mickey Rourke, by the end, a repetitive and almost redundant. It feels like, oh, as we said, another guy in a version of an Iron Man suit that we're fighting again, which is how the first one ended. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and the the movie's got a lot more fat on it even than the first origin story because we're going to be introducing Black Widow into the mix. Mm-hmm. Coulson's got a lot more to do in this movie. He's got a couple of really good lines in this, movie. Uh, and uh, we're definitely getting more into the Avengers initiative. And yeah, more the, Nick the, Fury. The plot gets distracted by some of that, and then, like you said, yeah, he's slowly being poisoned by this device that's supposedly saving his life, and then whiplash. And then Sam Rockwell. Right. I love Sam Rockwell, like, as a person, like, as, as I I don't know, I've never met the man, but (laughs) he just seems like like, he always brings something to it, and he brings a lot to this character. But I can't help but feel like if the Marvel Cinematic Universe was going to bring Sam Rockwell to the fold, like, I kind of wish they gave him a part where he had a little more of a hand to play. I
2: I have hope that... He's one Maybe of these he'll characters that they'll,
1: they'll bring back. Because he's obviously in the slammer for the time being. I yeah. think he's probably asked to spend some time in his room. Yeah. He's been a bad <laughs> for, boy. For bad behavior. Yeah. And I like the the smarmy charm of him and how he's got like this big inferiority complex to Tony Stark. He'll never be as smart and as a technical and innovator uh, as yeah. Tony Stark. The whole
2: hearing sequence where he you know, hijacks the the video yeah. feed and show, you know and just watching stuff go south and him trying to like unplug shit.
1: like yeah. I, I will have you know it. that pilot survived. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's great and it's good and it sort of supplies a lot of the funny, but also like he deflates a lot of the scares out of the whiplash character once he sort of hires him to be this lab monkey and he's a very uncooperative lab monkey and their whole you know it just i wanted to see conflict between tony stark and whiplash and i got more conflict between Between hammer
2: and yeah and whiplash but
1: yeah. for here again, there's some great set pieces. the Iron Man has to go to war against a whole like army of, uh, of suits and uh, yeah or so pi- people are being piloted, but they have no control over the suits in some cases here too so yeah um there is fun spectacle to it I, like it's a thumbs up review. I'm just a little bit less enthusiastic again when we're talking about the whole sweep of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, no Iron Man 2 doesn't loom is large it also has this uncomfortable pressure of living under the shadow of iron man yeah which was a surprisingly large shadow being cast
2: yeah i i i, I had not realized that it's justin thoreau who wrote the screenplay there you go like i'm like what he's like the guy who dated jennifer aniston it was like <laughs> one of the bad guys in the charlie's angels movies what is he doing writing a marvel movie so uh not that I thought he did a, a terrible job. Like I said, like are these sections of it that I just absolutely loved. Um, and it was actually a, a, maybe a smaller recasting, but now we actually got Howard Stark, um, you know, even though he was referred to in photos in part one, now we'll yeah. have whole new An actor. actor. And we finally got John Slattery, who plays him in this stuff. In, in going forward. Going forward. Other than the young... Howard Stark right, in, Captain, in America. Captain America and some of that stuff so right. he, we've had multiple people play him but in terms of that older Howard Stark it's Slattery who I love as an actor right. so I'm like oh, I love seeing him um, yeah more ACDC Loved it. No complaints. Yeah. Don Cheadle's in for Terrence Howard. What else are it. Gary Shandling.
1: Right. Cam- as Senator
2: Stern. And it's like, that's the introduction. And he keeps coming back. Oh,
1: yeah. Hail Hydra.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I love it. I love just putting these breadcrumbs that other people picked up.
1: I'm going back to see movies, just sort of seeing Gary Shandling. I, I smiled. And then right away, the smile kind of died on my face. Because Gary Shandling's dead.
0: <laughs> but, like...
1: <laughs> no it's a great the kind of great use of that it, it's like in a weird way it's all the little beats of the movie that are fun and charming that work for me happy getting his ass kicked by Black Widow in the in yeah. the training room or whatever yeah. uh, that really works for me in a lot of ways more than the big spectacle yeah. at the Monaco the race
2: happy and Black Widow going into the in the time that it takes him to take out one, one guy, guy she, she clears, clears the out room. the rest
1: <laughs> but you're still kind of happy for Happy. Yeah, you, you, you got you the got guy. That guy. You yeah. you legitimately won that fight. <laughs> so, yeah, fun. Uh, but it, it's problematic. I, I don't know if we can just blame the script necessarily or if, like this is one of the movies where you can definitely feel, okay, we need to have this in the movie. So put this in the movie, John, and make it work. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And it really, it took them a little while to get, oh, I guess time is relative, but they jump right like so. They do these two. They come out the first two come out around the same time, within a few months of each other, and then it's two years before they come back to Iron Man too. So it's not like you know. Of course, they're on this pace now, where they're putting out anywhere between. Well, it'll be two movies this year because they're coming off the whole double shot of Avengers and Spider Man. But you know, now we're in a, in a pattern where they're doing three or four a year is going to be the path going forward. So I think it's like they had to look at these two, Iron Man, okay, we're going to have to do the sequel to It and bank on its popularity in order to now do the push for the for, next yeah. few that are now going to be introduced. Um, I thought, you know, I guess we didn't talk about this with the first Iron Man, but what I didn't think was a smart thing to do is they used the very end of Iron Man 1 to launch Iron Man 2 the press conference the press conference at I am Iron Man which was a really great thing that they did in the first movie he's like you know what let's just throw the secret identity thing. eradicate let's it let's get it out of the window right out of the way yeah. first movie he just like blow it up Yeah, and I think that was a really great call and I think that's why it felt like a different kind of superhero movie for a lot of people too it's like oh now the cat's out of the bag
1: I also like the character choices for Tony because of all the shit he's dealing with and because he's keeping it all close to the vest, the fact that he's dying, he's lashing out and he's doing shit he shouldn't do and yeah. he's getting drunk at parties and he's wrecking shit and yeah. he can't help but think, you know, that this is material that Robert Downey Jr. could probably relate to. I'm guessing there's a few evenings that he wishes he had takes back <laughs> on, you know, like... <laughs> oh,
0: that time I crawled
2: through a window and was discovered in a young
1: girl's bed. Though. Yeah, the i'd like to take that one back yeah um and it's not really like rubbing his nose in the shit in it that way but like I, but I it's, think that, it's there i think absolutely
2: and i think it's it's also very it comes from the comics you know it's not as flushed out he's a playboy this, yeah yeah, yeah and there was this really great storyline in the comics that they really drew on it's like you know he became a full-blown alcoholic in the comics it's like this is something that he's got a kick or it's going to be the end of him right and so it, there was a bit of that in the first one. He's kind of drinking often in the Humvee and things like yeah. that. And he starts, you know, starting drinking power shakes and juicers and stuff like that. But the
1: whole the idea of like he wants to build a suit of armor around the world it comes up a little bit later on. But like much like he has a suit around himself, but also as a way to pay back because he starts realizing all of these great innovative weapons that he's helped design and engineer and sell across the world have killed untold number of people and they get yeah. in, it it's not altruistic even if you thought selling to your government itself was altruistic because it really depends on who's calling the shots in any given period of time yeah uh it's ending up in the hands of people that are not using them for the right reasons for the, yeah for the so the intent that it's for. a redemption arc, but tony stark's far too proud a person to admit that he requires a redemption arc, right? <laughs> so he wants to build a shield around the world but just cuz it's cool and badass, <laughs> right? A lot a lot of the success of not just the Iron Man movies but I guess I'm going to say the Marvel Cinematic Universe which is why it's going to be interesting going forward in a post Downey G- Jr. way yeah. is he is him is the man Robert Downey Jr. himself even in this one of the weaker of the Marvel movies. He's He's he carries the reason, it. He's the reason it works.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the better marriages of actor and role that's happened in a long time. Right? I mean, he
1: wasn't meant to play Doolittle?
2: <laughs> I don't think it's going to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's another conversation. Uh, Eddie yeah. Murphy's Doolittle. I don't know. Yeah. What was wrong with that Doolittle? The original Doolittle? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, is there anything else you'd like to say about Iron Man 2? Um, I feel like I've been kind of short shrift on it, but... Yeah, I think it sounds like we're more negative
2: on it than we really are, but I think it's just... It's because it's, it's
1: just... It's in a group of really strong movies, first of all. Yeah. And um, because the origin was over, it... It, and it almost works more as a, a middling issue of a comic series getting us towards the Avengers than it does as a standalone Iron Man movie. And that's, I guess, a problem. But it's overcome by the fact that it's entertaining.
2: Yeah. And I guess not. To, this will segue into the next one, but I do appreciate, especially now in hindsight, that they were able to introduce Black Widow in this one in a way that was a bit more she has something to do yeah it's fulfilling as opposed to in the next movie where we get Hawkeye it's just a taste yeah and they had that
1: and here's a guy named Hawkeye and he has a bow (laughs) and (laughs) arrow.
2: he's going to be important going forward Mm -hmm. Um, so it was nice in hindsight going yeah I'm really glad they used her the way they they did in this one they gave her stuff to do agreed
1: Uh, check out Iron Man 2 (laughs) we're not it's it's not not, yeah we're not we, 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 we sound negative we're not negative we're very positive people You have sacrificed much to achieve peace,
2: for oh. through your arrogance and stupidity you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives to the horror and devastation of war. You are
1: a vain, greedy, cruel boy,
0: and you are an old man and a fool! You're unworthy! Father! Hey. Now take from you your power! I cast you out! Please open your eyes.
1: Oh no, this is Earth, isn't
0: it? Where did it comes from. Your ancestors called it magic. And you call it
1: science. I come from a place where they're one and the same.
0: He has disobeyed his king. His fate is in his own hands now. I will end this.
1: Kenneth Brenner. Here's another case of really smart, smart decision-making on the, on the case of Marvel, because this is going to be a tricky door to kick down, if you ask me. Thor is an awesome comic book, but just because it's an awesome comic book does not mean that it's going to translate into a movie. And, like, we've been asked to swallow some pretty big pills. There's a big green rage monster, <laughs> right? There's a dude in a flying iron suit that can do pretty much any imaginable technical feat that you could think just of. Just give him long enough to think about yeah, it. Yeah, give you'll him, come him up an afternoon and he'll, he'll crack time Travel for you, right? <laughs> so, yeah. But even by that stage, this is a a fucking god, (laughs) okay? We're talking about Thor, the god of thunder, Loki, the god of mischief, and, like, they're they're working on a whole different table. And and you you, you have a passing interest in Bill Shakespeare, as I recall. I've read one or two of his plays. uh, Some of Bernard's most successful work, as far as I'm concerned, is his adaptations of William Shakespeare. And the reason is, is the man as much as I love him, has no fucking subtlety to his directing at all. Like, he is an aggressively loud, I'm making a movie director, (laughs) right? Like, restraint isn't something that I think of when I think of a Kenneth Brown movie. And that's to the good or bad. I, I, I like a lot of his movies, but it really works for Shakespeare, and it really works when you're dealing with these huge archetypes like this it's not really greek myth but like that's how he's treating it yes it's huge it's opulent it's deadly serious everybody's taking it deadly serious he's treating it like shakespeare he everyone's being completely straight-faced about it and like that world as kind of ridiculous, I mean, it's impressive, visually amazing, but sort of ridiculous, because everybody's so stone straight, and because they have Idris Elba and Anthony fucking Hawkins, you know, you don't question it at all, it's like, it's big, and you kind of like got a dopey grin on your face, and (laughs) Thor is, you know, a really interesting character, especially transplanted into this crocodile Dundee fish out of water adventure that he's asked to go up, go on. And Thor changes a lot. Not just the man himself, but the vibe of Thor and the world of Thor. There's a notable change going forward from this. But does this isolated Thor movie work more than it should? Yes. Yeah, I would agree. Absolutely it does. There's still stuff they're going to figure out about Thor. There's still something that's sort of innately weird and like funny about it. But it works more than it shouldn't. Much like we said for all of the other movies we talk about here, the big robot fight at the end of the movie <laughs> is almost an afterthought to the sort of charming, Thor does, has his powers, Thor is a dick, Thor loses his powers, he's less than a yet. dick. <laughs> he gets his gets powers, his powers back. back, he saves the day, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's that bluntly simple, but... It's really fun. It's a fun watch. And uh, not since Iron Man did I laugh as much.
2: Yeah, I think the movie. you realize, at least I did, I realized, like, wow, Hemsworth really found the comedic tone actually a lot faster than I think people would realize. They talk about now, but oh, he's turned into this really great comedic. I'm like, he was doing funny stuff. Like, the whole, that, as you said, the fish out of water sequence, like, there's some really funny moments that he's bringing to it. He's riding that line of playing, you know, this. He used to be
1: invincible, so then he gets tased. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Ow. It's a needle on the ass. Yeah. <laughs> wow. yeah. Uh
1: so and that's fun. And uh I also like like when he's OP, when he's overpowered at the beginning of the movie, uh and all of like the rich kid arrogance that goes behind it. He's born with everything. All of this stuff was just handed to him. Innately powerful, ravishingly handsome, <laughs> yeah. you know. And he can just take out an army swinging his uh, hammer and still looking bad as <laughs> well he does it. Uh to be brought down so low is it's dramatically satisfying. It is not reinventing the wheel at all, but you
0: know.
2: <laughs> no, no, and it works like he, you know. He uses people he knew, like Brana. That is like he uses Patrick Doyle yep. to do the score. Who that's who he always uses, like Patrick Doyle did. Henry. He does Fong scores and, as big as Brana's yeah. movies. <laughs> yeah, that's the man he went to, and of course, like and because these first composers on a lot of these films, it's those themes that then are are used. By if if it happens to be passed off as someone else, they're riffing on what this first person created. But like Colin Firth, one of our uh, more Canadian celebrated actors. Canadian actors, I know he's born in the states, but you know he's ours. He's been he's living in He's Canadian, damn it. <laughs> you know he's playing a a villain in makeup, so you don't know if it's him, but it's like Brana's using Colin Firth, Anthony Hopkins, like people that are from a theatrical background. background that know that can play at these tones. And I'm like, this is yeah, it, it works. Hiddleston is in it's probably in a way the best uh, casting coup that could have happened to them. Like I don't want to put the importance on one actor too much. Right. But in terms of how important Loki is for things going forward. Yeah. And it's because he was in a goddamn play with that yeah, yeah, with Braun. Like that's Yeah, you'd be a good like, Loki, hey, let's yeah, bring him in yeah. come in. And he never I know mean, I've read lots of stories since he never actually auditioned for Loki. He auditioned yep. for Thor. Oh
1: really?
0: Yeah. And they, I didn't know
2: that. Yeah, if you go looking on YouTube, there's like they'll, they they released footage of him auditioning for Thor, <laughs> and of course, like you know, he tried to get in his best shape as he
1: could, and he's in great shape. But but he's not Amsburg. Thor. He's not Thor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I I think that Thor relaxes a little bit. The entire Thor world unclenches a little bit. There's something especially about Idris Elba's character. He almost seems fucking supernatural. <laughs> like there's this like god level quality to the powers that are being used by everything yeah. it's like once anthony hopkins gets sort of uh taken down a peg uh, uh all of the pageantry kind of gets dialed back and everybody is allowed to like let their gut out a little bit and just sort of yeah. relax um i don't i don't necessarily mind that going forward but i'd sort of forgotten how regal and, and serious everything was in this movie and how that worked as a juxtaposition for the comedy yeah, I also like the sort of the buddy crew that he has that they sort of introduce us to. They kind of get like, <laughs> wiped off the so, table later on. Yeah, they do. The I scene. know,
2: unfortunately, later on in the movies. But like having someone like Ray Stevenson playing Volstagg is yeah. like he's a has a really great actor playing this
0: small smaller supporting bit recurring
2: bit role. role. But yeah, like, so and we're not maybe we haven't even talked about like Skarsgard yet and no, Natalie, Natalie Portman, Portman
1: and Cat Dennings.
0: Kat
2: Dennings, she is hilarious.
0: Yeah, <laughs> she's so
1: funny uh natalie portman uh she's a good actress she gets these high profile roles like in star wars and this and it's like one of these things where this is the kind of high profile role that's good for my career but does she really want to be there is she excited about being in a thor movie i don't think she sucks in the movie but i i i guess i don't know that i necessarily believe like this is a passion project for for her um We'll see what happens with this whole Thor love and thunder thunder thing where she's going to be taking the 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 hammer into her own hands but um they they seem to sort of slowly fade that character out and uh it's unfortunate because A, a great actress and b it would be interesting to see as much as I'm usually not as interested in the love story yeah what would it be like if you're Dating a god? I mean, there would be a yeah. real status <laughs> issue here, you know. When you're asking how your day was, yeah. you know, the balance yeah. is a little off. Well, I was flying through. you know, I was using the Bifrost to travel
2: to one of the nine realms. Yeah, it's just that's something you kind of touched on something there, too, Larry. That a lot of these first movies, too, right? They they are a bit formulaic, and like here's our hero, and here's the love interest. Yeah. Not that every single one's the same, but you know we've got Tony and Pepper. Yep. And then you know you've got. The live yeah, Tyler. Liv Tyler, you know, Ross, Thunderbolt Ross's daughter. You got you know her and Banner, and then now we've got Thor and Jane Foster, and and that's in part I think because they're drawing from the comics, and of course those kind of uh, archetypes and stories of hero and like the love interest are well entrenched from long ago. So I think that's in part why it's there. But it is kind of nice to know that they kind of move away from that formula eventually um, not in the next one it's still there <laughs> but right. that kind of like oh here's the hero and here's the the woman that loves him we kind of get past that eventually thank God but
1: there's potential here is what I'm saying though like there's yeah. some interesting potential there and unfortunately this is one thing that doesn't end up really bearing much fruit going forward
2: yeah yeah, and it's got the Foo Fighters and yeah. so <laughs> you know, that played out in the credits um, it just occurred to me too like you know they talk about like New Mexico I forgot to mention like that's the end credit scene
0: right Iron Man 2. we it's found Cole, something yeah.
2: Coulson's like oh I gotta, there's a situation in New Mexico and then like, we found something and you're like oh Thor's coming next like that's <laughs>
1: Again, Coulson showing up and having like a quit What does he say when uh, Thor went through all of his best men like they were <laughs> <running>? <laughs> <laughs> And yes, you're right. The introduction of, of uh, Hawkeye is perfunctory at best. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh man, we gotta get him introduced somehow before he but well, uh, like that actor was starting to get over it because he was around for a long time before they did anything with the character so Renner was starting to get a little bit played out but eventually yes they start doing stuff with Hawkeye just not for these first 6 movies i don't <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: yeah yeah it was a way to get him introduced in time the Avengers so we didn't have to like introduce him in that one but so it's happy to see him I'm like, that
1: oh, said great. if they'd spent 10 minutes introducing him or trying to find a way to wedge him into a supporting role in the movie it would have weighed down things too yeah. it's under two hours it's not unwieldy it's got this great scope to it uh, it establishes another thing that we're going to go back to again and again and again as it turns out in the Marvel <laughs> Universe is Loki dying but not yeah <laughs> yeah because Loki's just too good a character to die exactly. and part of me <laughs> says it's it's like a good comic book thing because yeah. that happens in the comic books But it also, after a while, makes death countless in the Marvel cinematic universe. There are
2: mistakes here; people just come back, which is a very comic thing.
1: That's going forward into the multiverse, and now that we've cracked time travel, what does death mean anymore? Yeah, yeah.
2: and I I remember reading a while ago someone was like trying to like rank like the Marvel villains, and and usually the ones in the Thor movie (laughs) kind of get like knocked down low. make, but it's in part because they're not really the main like they're not the main villain.
1: Thor's biggest enemy in this movie is Thor in a lot of ways. Yeah, they bagged, right. And his but, brother's being a dick. Exactly.
2: But, yeah. So, like, you know, Loki, <laughs> if you're trying to compete with Loki, it's like, yeah, Colin Fjord's got an uphill battle. There's no way the, the king of the frost giants is going to seem like as big a deal because we're focusing on these family dynamics.
0: Yeah.
2: And then same thing happens, in my opinion, in the next Thor, too. It's like, we got a great actor playing the villain, but... Yeah, but Loki's back.
1: Yeah. And some of the stuff you describe it and it shouldn't work. Like, okay, Thor uses the magic helmet of Vilnir or whatever to yeah. uh, destroy the magical rainbow bridge that thus severs his passage back to his greatest love. That sounds so, so saccharine that I think I just got a cavity because I said it out loud. <laughs> but Brunal kind of makes it work. And when, when when Thor gets his hammer, it flies back to him, and he you know he levels up back up to Thor again. It's a great moment in the movie. It's yeah. like yeah, yeah, now now you're in trouble. Now yeah. Thor's here,
2: motherfuckers. I, mean, I just love little moments. like he like, He just will put his hammer on top of Loki and, and just leave, and leave it because he can't yeah. he can't pick it up. So he's just stuck there like a dead bug, <laughs> like like shit like that is fun. But it did like that that battle. You alluded to it earlier. Like the battle between Thor and Loki just felt like a it's a bit of a letdown. Yeah. Because at that point I'm like, well that I, I kinda
1: The peak yeah. was Thor becoming Thor again. Yeah. And the movie had peaked then. I mean it's not that the rest of it was bad or anything like that. Yeah. And yeah, Stellan Starsgard always solid supporting work. Cat Dining's very, so very funny. charming and so funny. funny. She's another one of these actresses who's consistently good but never used enough, I find. Like yeah. I like seeing her, but I always feel like I want more. <laughs> yep. So, and that's another character that's kind of vanished from the show series now, I think. Kate Dennis' character? Yeah, we haven't seen her in a while. No,
2: I, but I do, I believe she's going to be a main player in the Falcon Winter Soldier Disney oh. Plus show. Okay. Uh, I think I read that she's in it as part of the cast, so I'm like, oh, well, I wonder what that...
1: Well, you and I are just going to focus on the movies for movies now. Movies for now. The shows, <laughs> okay. oh my God, the We've um, got 20-some movies to consider. <laughs>
2: Uh, and the only yeah the only thing I, I kind of clock to is um, they're introducing, like, others like, oh, there's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who you know later down the road is like, oh, okay, but... He's not... Th- he's crooked. Yeah, it's like that person's going to be actually more important than we would have thought at this point. You know, whether that actor knew it at the time, probably not. Yeah. The writers might not have known at that time. It's like, hey, we can take this guy and do this. What's the benefit
1: of hindsight and the difference between doing a series television and these series of movies? Because I get the feeling, like, if they knew, for instance, they were going to get Robert Redford... For Captain America, Winter Soldier, that yeah. we would have been introduced to that character in some peripheral way yes. before Winter Soldier, Soldier things like this. But again, that's the kind of stuff I'm totally willing to forgive. So. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Thor is a good. It's it's a, it's a fun, energetic romp. It doesn't take itself as seriously as some of the other movies, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's It feels different than a lot of the Marvel movies going forward, but I think that's part of its charm out of this bunch of movies. And it's one of the few movies, upon revisiting, that I think I actually went up in my, in right. my esteem when I, when I came back to it.
2: Yeah, and I think the fact that it's different it might just lend itself to the fact that it is different. It's not all of a sudden, hey, we're on Earth, and here's someone like... <laughs> You know, being changed by science or coming with—it's it. like we're, as you pointed out, we're talking about myths and gods. Uh, It's—it like <laughs> it's, can't
1: help but be different. And again, good call on Brennan Yeah, good call.
0: That wasn't so bad. That was penicillin. We are going to win this war because we have the best men. Now, Mr. Stark.
1: Nay personally, escort Adolf Hitler to the gates of hell. Joe Johnson dependable big budget Hollywood filmmaker gets handed the reins to Captain America the character that I was the least excited about seeing and that I had the least knowledge about he was Captain America not Captain Canuck (laughs) I read some Captain Canuck comics when I was a kid I did not read a lot of Captain America I did read some Avengers comics but again the superhero thing wasn't as much my jam but uh, you know uh, I'm not as big into American patriotism because I'm I'm not American, mm-hmm. so I guess that part of me is just intrinsically going to care a little bit less. And it was a real feat of the movie that I came out a big fan of Captain America. That said, this isn't, by a large margin, one of my favorite movies of this first group of six. There's stuff to, that I like about it, and I, I like especially the good old-fashioned Vibe of the you know World War Two era adventure yeah. that he ends up getting into after the first act in origin story has been covered, and I like the great supporting work from people like Stanley Tucci and Tommy yeah. Lee Jones, dependable people, and of course Hugo Weaving doing I think what must be a deliberate Werner Herzog impersonation. Just <laughs> tell me he doesn't sound fucking exactly like Werner Herzog. Like yeah. it, it seemed like it would almost be deliberate. <laughs> uh, so everybody is playing their role pitch perfectly but the roles are just so so cookie cutter like stanley tucci's character specifically i see the good in this character i make the character the human i tell him he has to keep what's essentially good about him that task being done I have nothing more to contribute (laughs) to the movie I can die (laughs) right like and it is like it could have been written by a computer in in some ways right isolated again isolated moments of the things I really like I really like the when, when a spy gets exposed and Captain America gets to do a super soldier thing for the first time yeah and the Hydra agent does the whole poison tooth thing and, yeah. and ices himself. And it's Armitage. Right? See, like, <laughs> it's
2: Armitage playing this small part that he's going to show up and, like, and he's dead within a few minutes. I mean, but but it's important. it sort
1: of sets up this sort of underbelly of Hydra being a big deal in World War 2 So the fact that they're still players now, yeah. you know, it, major major villain hiding in the shadows here. and But once again, this is similar to what I felt about Iron Man 2. And that isolated moments of the movie work better than the entire movie itself. I uh, I really like you know the sort of the change between the you know computer skinny Chris Evans yeah to the bulked out uh, Captain America super soldier but how the essential innate part of the character is still there. It's not like Incredible Hulk where you know yes he, he's now in a special effect you know. Uh, the transition is one hundred percent believable, so it mostly works for me, but only mostly. They mostly come at night, Sky. <laughs> I uh, the biggest thing I keep thinking about when
2: I've gone back and revisit these movies is like so Stanley Tucci's character, this this German scientist who has you know left the country is now working in America because it's, it's one of my favorite lines we talked about while well, you. Know, it's not like Germans weren't affected by Hitler themselves. Like yep. we were, in a way, in some ways, those of us, some of us, were the first ones Victims to be victimized. Of it, yeah. Those of us. Um, but this guy in the forties apparently cracked this super soldier serum, and then
1: no one was <laughs> ever able to replicate it or do it again. No, since they should not have assassinated that dude. was no. he was, okay, he was Tony he Stark was, level yeah. genius. Yeah.
2: But I loved. Uh, I have a feeling just on your comments, it was like I think I like this one better than Larry. And so I was like, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, solid. I really like. Again, you know, Haley. Well, as uh, Agent Carter,
1: And she got her own spinoff thing. Yeah,
2: yeah, and you know, she comes back eventually too. I think for me, the, because and I think they had to have known where they were going with some of this stuff. Um, But uh, for me, it's one of the stronger relationships of the whole uh, MCU is Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes. Like the the Chris Evans, Sebastian Stan stuff. And maybe I'm just a sucker for that kind of stuff. It's like, no, he's my friend. And we get some of these iconic lines in this movie that get brought back
0: over and over and over
2: again. And so I think I probably like it more now rewatching it because I, I see some of the things that they were able to pull from this movie and use over and over again. I think if I'm not mistaken this is the first time in the whole franchise like the whole franchise where certain screenwriters is like you've got the tone for this character and we're holding on to you. Yeah. Marcus and McFeely have done all the Captain America movies and they did the last two Avengers movies. So there's something about Marcus and McFeely and then especially Wednesday... Well, and that was they,
1: because the guy really liked their community episodes, Kevin Feige or whatever?
2: Well, actually, no, I think in part B, it was the um, it's the Russo brothers who did...
0: Oh, I'm thinking of the community. Russo brothers, sorry.
2: Uh, they take over the helm of the Captain America movies on the next one, on yep. Winter Soldier. But Marcus and McFeely have been on those two, or on that character from the beginning. And right. there's something about the four of those four guys... When they got put in the same room together, it's like, we're putting our chips yeah. <laughs> on the four of you to take us home. And between the four of them, like that's where we get like Infinity War and Endgame. And-
1: well, in a weird way, despite the, the deep history and the fact that he is the first Avenger and he gets to fight a red-skulled Nazi, yeah. Yeah. he's kind of like the least visually interesting of the superheroes that yes. we have. He doesn't have a big badass hammer and cape and kick-ass metal suit the yeah. suit doesn't wolf out into yeah. a big green mega yeah. monster he's a super soldier and he's a dude and he looks like a dude and you can hurt his feelings easier than you can hurt his body
2: yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. and I uh, love how they undercut him yeah. in terms of like yeah we're gonna take you over and then he ends up just being a prop for a propaganda for the first while I'm like yeah. I, I really love time. sell war bonds yeah. yeah so we can introduce the classic Captain America look from the comics but this is how we're gonna do it
1: and speaking of someone who didn't grow up loving the com- comics, I can yeah. tell that this is made by people who grew up loving the shit out of the comics, and I respect that. Right. Absolutely. Um, it, it feels less like a superhero thing, and I think that they figured that out going yeah. forward. good point. Like, Winter Soldier becomes like this kick-ass spy thriller and I think just ups Captain America to a whole fucking next level. Agreed. Like, uh, Completely so, and, agree. and Maybe part of me knowing how much better the next two Captain America films get is making me kind of retroactively be a little bit harder on this first one. Yeah. Uh, and again, I watched them all in order and I was... At this point, getting kind of excited to watch the Avengers, and this is the thing that I had
0: to I had get past the Avengers <laughs> in order to get to that. That sounds really mean because the, <laughs> no,
1: the, the movie does work more than it doesn't, and, and like it sort of surprised me like coming back to it again. I, I didn't have to choke it down or anything like yeah. this. Yeah,
2: it was kind of great about watching them so close to each other in terms of you know throwing them out on the Blu ray, is the even with the opening sequence. You got someone like William Bradley, this great British theatre actor playing this caretaker. Yeah. Essentially <laughs> of the of the Tesseract, as which we'll f- you know, find out it becomes this huge MacGuffin for the next year for the next and and beyond. And onward, yeah. But there's all this stuff like even though, so he Red Skull I'm like, oh yeah, so now he's in Norway, which we get carried over from Thor and the whole tree of the world discussions and the this big tree is where the little secret thing is where it's being held and we just had all this thing about Odin talking about how the universe is like a tree, and, yeah. and I was like, man, like they're doing a pretty good job of without Really, I don't know. Maybe for some people it's hitting it on the head with a hammer, right? But for me, I'm like they're t- they're finding ways to tie the movies together without trying to make it feel like they're all the same, like which I really appreciate it. And maybe it's because I'm a fan of the comic books where you can like, oh, this person's popping up in this one, this one's popping up in that one.
1: And I agree. I do get off on the world building, but I think what makes it work on top of that on top of because that works the way comics do they add a few the the few panels in every issue will feed an overarching story right I I think the X-Files TV show did a good job of this and there was standalone issues as it were yeah but throughout every episode there were pieces of a larger overarching story that gets us to the Infinity Wars that gets us to these bigger areas so uh, I mean I I can really I, I respect that but I think it's the heart it really works even like though this is one of not my least favorite but it's not my favorite movies the relationship between cap and bucky really works yeah the broken romance is it sucks because like he's always been the schlubby little kid and he you know he finally got the the body to match his heart and he's starting to be able to get some play but uh he still has an, his innocence intact so yeah come on, Captain America deserves to get laid. <laughs> he's just saved the world, and now he's going to be a capsicle <laughs> until Avengers are... <laughs> yeah.
2: And that was a good uh, framing device, too, I thought, in that it's like, yes, we're going back with this movie that happens technically within this, this universe decades before, but because of where it's falling in the order of the movies, we're still given this contemporary scene of them finding this thing in the ice and the shield, and then ending with him waking up so we get it bookended it's like actually no everybody we are right now 2011 or whatever it is when it came out we're just kind of doing this big chunk in between to get you caught
1: up and then the Avengers happen yeah (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah yeah, I get you (laughs) but yeah like Toby Jones he becomes a pretty important player in terms of Zola and uh, it was what else I jot down to myself what the... Oh, yeah, the... Again, really... Well, very specific post credit scene in terms of tying Cap into where Avengers is going to be. Well, like it's it's essentially where pick, yeah, we pick him up yeah. in that exact same room with the punching bag when we do see him.
1: I think that Captain America's real secret super ability that gets under-celebrated is his superpower of adaptation. Because I think taking a 50-year now
0: <laughs> or whatever,
1: and waking up to the modern age would be the mind fuck to end all mindfucks. You know, like, like uh, I think that, like, otherwise, this movie's fake, guy. He should have probably spent some time in a, in a facility somewhere where he could have safe, calm conversations about the level of his personal loss that he's going to have to mourn and this new world that he's going to have to get used to. But uh, the, the series kind of does short shrift of this overall. like uh, Right. But uh, it is kind of... I think it's because if, if, if they rushed anything in the Marvel Universe, it was Captain America to the Avengers, right? Yeah. But it's not DC. DC was in such a fucking hurry to get to the Justice League that they didn't they give didn't, us... They didn't lay the, the stones. The groundwork wasn't there. Yeah. Five movies in now, I think we're ready for the Avengers. Yep. Good enough?
0: Good enough. You were made to be ruled. In the end, it will be every man for himself. What do we do? To get ready. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people. So when we needed them, they could fight the battles that we never could. Gentlemen, what are you prepared to do?
1: No offense, but I don't play well with others. Big man in a suit of armor. Take that away, what are you? A uh, genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. If <laughs> <laughs> we can't protect the Earth... I'm damn sure we'll avenge it. Dr. Banner, your work is unparalleled, and I'm a huge fan of the way you lose control and turn into an enormous green rage monster. Thanks. So, uh, I just talked shit about Justice League, but I'm a Joss Whedon uh, apologist for the most part. I do like the man. He did a Much Ado About Nothing, speaking of uh, Shakespeare. Shakespeare, yeah. yeah. Not the best adaptation of Much Ado About Nothing, but far from a bad one. Well, I think what I love about that. it's just like,
2: oh... I, I just made the friends. Avengers. Yeah, well, yeah, I was like, I got some friends. I've always wanted to do this thing. Let's just make this movie... In my house. In my house with some friends. Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: I think... For me, the, the, the talent that I am the most jealous of for Joss Whedon is his balance of character. You'll see this in Firefly, you'll see this in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where he's got a really good cast of characters, and nobody really feels like they're getting shortchanged. I mean, we'll talk about Hawkeye. I think Hawkeye kind of gets fucked over in this movie a little
2: bit. A little bit. I think it's because of where he fits in the narrative
1: more... There's an awful lot of balls in the air. I said something about the the Serenity movie. I would have liked to see more for Kaylee to do in that movie, but there was only so much you could do there's only so many balls you could keep floating in the air so yeah uh but he's really good at that how you feel about his zingers and his pop culture references for me it sort of depends on the day sometimes it really works for me <laughs> sometimes it's like that's very Joss Whedon how Joss Whedon of you Joss Whedon <laughs> <laughs> but once again I think he was the right guy for the job the balance of the stakes and the heart and the humor is something that he was really good at he spent years in television sort of honing it he was getting really sort of popular hot and this was him sort of okay this has all been leading up to this first big avengers movie if you know the proof of concept was successful in that these movies are all making money but uh is everybody going to take this home is avengers really going to work because you have to go into this movie invested because they can't spend all the time yeah. telling you who thor is and telling you who iron man is the backstories was your homework going in to the avengers the avengers has enough shit to deal with with loki showing up and stealing the <laughs> infinity stone and like all of that uh so that we can just worry about focusing on our heroes meeting each other fighting each other coming apart coming together saving the day
2: yeah, there's something really great about them not all getting getting along right away, which makes sense. You, you know, you have to have <laughs> some conflict amongst themselves that they have to somehow overcome or crack the code on.
1: Narratively, arguably speaking as a screenwriter, completely stupid right. and a waste of time and wheel spinning in the mud. As a person who reads comic books, do I want to see Thor and Iron Man have a fight? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do want to see that. Thank
2: you. Thank you for now, that. Let's throw Captain America into the mix. Yeah. Let's get the big three on the screen together.
1: For me, the shakiest part of the whole movie, honestly, is the opening sequence with Loki invading the, the base of yeah. Uh Just as Just as a big opening moment for the movie, I was just like, I wasn't like, uh, sit back in my seat, oh, here we go. The Avengers has arrived, baby. You no, know, It felt very comic book or Doctor Who or something like that. The big villain showed up, killed a bunch of guys, Turned Hawkeye into a zombie slave yeah, and, and walked away with the movie's MacGuffin. And well executed, but completely familiar. Yeah. The later as we go into the movie, when we get into the superhero pissing matches, and when we get into, you know, just great smart script turnarounds, the the, the interrogation of Loki by Black Widow yeah. or, or things like this. Which
2: is set up so well by her introduction interrogation scene. Really well done. Yeah.
1: So Yeah. yeah. The movie is just how I talked about the other movie. The, the 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 small moments in the movies work more than the overarching one. In this case, the small move moments are hitting, as well as the overarching right. ones. Like Avengers, for me, as far as living up to the hype of all the movies leading up to it, and as far as this idea of this superhero movie that I would have imagined when I was a kid, definitely did the job. It was deserved of all its success. It's not overrated. And I think it's aged relatively well. Uh, Not to jump ahead too too far, because I know we're going to get there. Yeah. I do not feel this way about Age of Ultron. But I really, really, really like the Avengers. And this was the day and age when I could believe the hype on Joss Whedon. I have this hope that he's going to redeem himself and he's going (laughs) to steer the ship back up. Because it's been rocky sailing for him in the post-Avengers world. But he fucking nailed the Avengers. I want to buy a beer for everyone involved.
2: <laughs> yeah, they it, it really it if something like Iron Man kind of got things rolling by the time they hit this one I feel like all right, the table is set now. Yeah. Like it really has now it everything past this movie has to live up to this achievement in terms of bringing all the characters that had been introduced thus far into one collective movie and you know nothing like that i don't think it ever really been done up at that point point. and then every time we kind of come back to these avenger movies then it's like now we're gonna bring all these other threads together
1: so yeah and not easily done yeah but i and as much as i was you know kissing sweden's ass i do say like it did take those those five other movies are necessary yes much like when i talked about the serenity movie to the firefly i, I really like serenity but firefly is necessary homework to watch to, to <laughs> really fully enjoy that movie. Exactly. Yeah. So and I definitely feel that way. So like we needed the backstory. Those other films are all essential, I think, in their own way to contributing to making this movie work, for yeah. sure. I think I appreciated too in hindsight
2: that you know we finally get this movie where they're all in it together, but we actually don't see them I was like tracking the the counter, the clock right. as as they're being, you know, introduced and things like that. So, you know, yes, the Loki sequence actually takes quite a bit time but it's not until what do I write down it's not until the 32 minute mark that we finally have Black Widow Cap and Banner are all kind of introduced they're all meeting each other the for room. the first time on the helicarrier um, it's not until the 41 minute mark that Loki is interacting with them outside you know they take, when he the takes, the yeah, takes the dude's eyeball Thor then doesn't show up on the ship until like almost the 44 minute mark yeah And then it's not till like 50 minutes into the movie where everyone is finally on the helicarrier and kind of talking as if they're a team, even though they're still arguing. It's like we're almost an hour into this thing. And I I appreciated the the pacing in which people were brought together as opposed to, it's like, oh, something bad happens and they all just arrive.
1: Yeah. Well, and the movie, again, is as much about the Avengers team coming together to face the, the enemy than it is the enemy itself. In that way, it's nice that we already have a bit of a history with Loki. Yes. And the the special effect bad guy army that shows up at the end is this amorphous thing that we don't really... Yeah, you know.
2: Thor kind of somehow has knowledge of them. The Shintari's, but yeah. there are
1: big bad monsters that fall out of a hole in the sky and yeah. give us a big climactic fight. But that's not what the movie's about. Yeah. It's where the movie gets to, and it is a very great spectacle. The famous, you know, one panning shot from hero to hero to hero is, yeah, you know, that's 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 an amazing yeah. theatrical experience moment. But it's about the Avengers coming together. The two catalysts of that being, of course, the death of Coulson. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the Captain America playing like trading cards. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: and the the, the initial failure on the, the Shield helicarrier. Uh because they weren't working as a team, because they were all in their different corners, people died, shit went wrong. So they all had to level up, get together. Yeah. And then when the catastrophe hit New York they were able to do something about it.
2: Yeah, And I guess I'm jumping back a little bit, but like at the end of Thor, like that post credit scene was the clear just letting everybody that Loki was still around there's that moment where um um oh god Skarsgård's character the, the physicist yeah. yeah I don't know why I'm blanking on the character name now but anyways he's being introduced to, you know by Nick Fury to the Tesseract um so you know we get Celtic. that thank you so we gotta have that breadcrumb that then leads into Captain America where the Tesseract is a much more important plot point and so then of course it's now threaded into this major movie and now Loki staff although we don't know it at the time there's something about it and it's like can we find out after this? oh it's an Infinity Stone too, but there's something of just tracking that because in the comics too if I'm not mistaken like they've taken something that was like the cosmic cube in the comics yes makes you know the Tesseract and then they've made blended it and made Infinity it Stone. made it one of the Infinity Stones like they did some really clever like hey the fans of the books will uh, appreciate, appreciate this we're taking this
1: thing and we're making it the same thing as this It's also coded universe for people who are familiar with the comics because uh, even though it wasn't a superhero thing, I knew it. the Infinity Wars was a big deal. It crossed over yeah. many comics. Yeah. There's also a couple versions of it because there's versions where yeah. they get spread across time and space and they have to kind of regroup. And there's a version where half the universe is eradicated. Yeah. So even if you think you know what's going to happen, you don't necessarily... Yeah, which, which one are they might be pulling from? What are they going to adapt? How are they going to adapt? it? What's yeah. the wrinkle? As I remember, Silver Circular is a big deal in the Infinity War. Yeah, yeah I, have to, that, I have them at home, yeah. I, it's been fucking years. But as I remember, he's a major player in it. And he's nowhere to be found in these movies. Yeah, because they yeah. didn't have the rights. They don't have the rights.
2: Yeah, they, they do now they have the rights. Uh,
1: watching it again, this one I ended up watching by myself because the boys were in bed. I, I really appreciate the real popcorn reward moments that the movie gives us. Because we've stayed with Marvel Universe for five films. Like that it really pays off to see Loki get nailed into the floor by Hulk it's (laughs) just like the puny god moment is it's one of the few moments I remember watching that in the theater with my son Tristan where like he loved it so much that it excited me uh the last jedi is nobody's favorite star wars movie apparently but that scene in it when i was watching with the uh, with my son where they said i want every gun we have yeah on that, that man. man as far as Tristan was concerned it was the greatest thing that had ever happened it was just <laughs> yeah. like amazing it made me like the movie and there's a lot of moments like that in this movie and like right away uh the that Memorable establishing sequence of Scarlett Johansson character being interrogated, and it seems like she's in a really bad situation. She's but we totally find out she's, it. she's completely fine. She was, as far as she was concerned, at no point in any danger. <laughs> <laughs> really rewarding right off of the bat.
2: There's like the because we have the movies ahead of it to set it up. Something as simple as it's. I think it might be my daughter and and myself. Our favorite line in the Avengers is when they make a. Sh- Finally, they have Loki in containment, and they're finally talking to each other. And then a bit of a pissing match, and someone says something about Loki, and Thor like, "You know, you both—he's my brother, so you know, watch yourself. Like, he just killed ninety people." he's
1: adopted, he's
0: adopted.
2: Like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> like it's Hemsworth coming through in the clutch yeah. like
1: we laugh out loud still but this is the the Joss Whedon thing because he's really good at the zingers but sometimes the timing of the zingers is questionable right like, it's, it's a, did that just undercut the, the stakes of that did we just make a punchline of the fact that 90 people just died by little Right. Hand, right?
0: <laughs> in the
1: real world that's a pretty fucking cold thing yes. to say but in, I a, guess comic in, a, in book a comic
2: world, book movie you, you get away with it yeah this is sort
1: of like Arnold Schwarzenegger's thing stick around after he throws a, a machete through a dude in predator yeah yeah that's kind of awesome but you're a cold blooded murderer <laughs> and uh that, <laughs> that life means so little to you <laughs> oh you're badass
2: <clears throat> yeah it's a pretty I guess if I'm trying to find potential holes with it maybe that's too strong a word but like you know they kind of quickly it's like oh you just have to smack Hawkeye hard enough on the head and now he's back. magically cured yeah it's and the like, Fonzie cure yeah. just hit him and go hey
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then Selvig you know they kind of do the same thing to him I guess at the end is he gets hit on the head hard enough that he comes out and somehow he's like I think I knew what I was doing because I built in a you know
1: a back door
0: yeah,
2: exactly there's a, there's something in the you Death use Star the I mean, there's this port here we just gotta shoot it with a torpedo
1: we talk about this again and again, and I guess I'll concede that that's not really an exception to the Avengers, is that the huge spectacle action finale is almost an afterthought to all of the strong character beats that lead up to it. <laughs> and I guess that's true here. I'll also say that the, this is a cribbed ending from the Batman movies, right? The, mm. the, the, the hero has to fly away with the explosive to get right. away from the city, and then... Right. And then bravely sacrificed himself, but not. That was one of my favorite lines. Actually, was when uh, the, after the Hulk woke up, Iron Man after he fell from the sky, and he said, "You know, what? I think everybody, let's take a half day tomorrow."
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think burned, yeah, yeah I think we
1: earned a little time out. Right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like the the CG certainly felt like it took a big step forward in terms of that in terms of the sequence itself
1: the villains and, were faceless bugs we didn't care about yeah. them or didn't really understand their motivation they just showed up to fight and yeah. be killed
2: although like, as i'm watching i'm like oh my god like they're, they're creating this version of new york now where it's just getting decimated like <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: you, you can't help but think about what's the collateral damage and of course they come back to that later on they use it for spider-man uh, yeah
1: the first spider-man movie touches on that very well and yeah. uh, the avengers movies going forward yeah you do leave a path of destruction in your wake. Yeah. That's another thing that the DC universe seemed to refuse to acknowledge. <laughs> I, a
2: lot, well, I know we're jumping DC. There was at least, uh, although it has lots of flaws, with the Batman versus Superman in terms of recreating the end of Menace Superman deal. to kind of try to set up why Bruce Wayne is like, seeing it. So we get to see from that perspective. I was like, okay,
1: that was kind of neat. But I think that was a retrofit. I don't think Zack Snyder was thinking about that when he shot... When he Nine made that... Steel. No, I think you're absolutely right yeah. about that. Anyway, uh, the Avengers completely works. I, 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 Even the stuff that I are admittedly flaws, like we're talking about in the third act, I think that I, I have... Having such fun with the movie and that I'm just... At this point, I'm, I'm all in. I'm participating in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Fuck you, Disney, take my money. <laughs>
2: And it has Harry Dean Stanton in great
1: one-scene role. <laughs> Ugh, I'm going to miss that, dude. It was one of those yeah. things I kept on seeing. I saw him in that... Uh... Arnold Schwarzenegger, The Last Stand movie. Yeah. He played an old farmer who got greased early in the movie. and it was just, Every time I see him, somehow you managed to look older. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I'll see him, like, there's just no way you could look any older. And now it's not going to happen anymore because we lost Harry Dean Stanton. I was just hoping that would go on forever. Every now and then I'd see him and go, you did it. You somehow managed but, to look
0: older. <laughs> but
2: had you told me like before these movies started coming out that there was going to be comic book movies that included Robert Redford and Harry right. Dean Stanton I'm like what the you're
1: you're drunk by the end of this reign whatever it is if it comes to an end like there'll be very few names in Hollywood untouched by it Yeah, I think like there's a few I think Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio fairly stubbornly anti-superhero but uh I, it seems like why wouldn't you want to be part of this in some way even Especially in, like, I was thinking about it with some of these Avengers movies or, like, Civil War. Yeah. The amount of actual screen time any of the one characters actually have in a given movie is, is, like, appreciable to, like, a pretty small supporting role. Yeah. (laughs) And, And you're in a big blockbuster movie every other summer as a result of this, and you still have other jobs you can do. Yeah. So, like... I don't understand the Martin Scorsese snobby attitude towards it. I mean, if you didn't grow up loving superhero movies, like to to sort of finish where we started, these aren't for you. But to just dismiss them, to think that they have nothing to them. You think that, to think that a movie like Avengers would be easy to make, you know, that's just, I don't think you're paying attention. I don't think you're appreciating cinema. Not to sound snobby, but I don't think you're appreciating how difficult this was to pull off and how they have had success with the Marvel Universe Way as far as I'm concerned, better than their success with the Star Wars universe. Oh,
2: well, I completely like, agree with that statement. Yes. Like,
1: uh, I'm not a part of the revisionist history that the that the prequels are, are suddenly better now because of Disney fucking things up. My, I'm firmly in the position the original Star Wars A, the uh, new... prequels F, the <laughs> new ones C, right? That's right. kind of just how it's ending up, playing out. But we'd like to see where it's going forward. But with Marvel, somehow... Some way the stars have aligned for them. Even the weird hiccups and the recasting and this yep. arc of six movies, the Colson Saga uh, era of these, as we'll <laughs> call this, uh, it all it all came together. It all it all worked. And um, I don't think you, it, it's right to just. It might not be for you. You might not love them, but to just dismiss them and say that they're of no value or that they're empty, yeah. I think you're just not paying attention.
2: And and looking down the road, there's. A cultural and an emotional impact that comes with the later movies as they become deeper. I think it's in part because they've found a handful of people that they can rely on, but also more time for people to be invested in some of these characters and what's happened. You know, you get more of an arc. So when we get to some of these more recent movies, like the payoffs are huge. Absolutely huge at the end of Infinity War and some of the sacrifices that are made in Endgame. It's like you've invested years with these characters
1: and you don't usually get that in the cinema no so bravo good enough good Sky Brandon, we yes. did it. We talked about the first six of the Marvel Cinematic phase, Universe. Phase one is in the bank. There we go, uh, and we'll we'll be hearing from you again soon because yep. we've got a lot more movies to talk about. But in taking in the first sweep of the first six, the Coulson saga—that's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to call it now. from yeah. <laughs> this point going forward. What was your least favorite, and what? I I went with the Incredible Hulk.
2: Okay. Yeah, that was that was my sixth. Um... I loved parts of it I just yeah it didn't quite have it feels a part from it and I think it, that's in part because it was one of the first two that was coming out and they were just kind of figuring out how to where to go and maybe I'm just still hung up on the fact that it's like ah it's a different actor playing Hulk Yeah, I didn't dislike what Norton did but there's just something about now being able to look back and see what Ruffalo has been fitting in it's like now I just kind of yearn for oh, I would have liked to see what that that movie would have been with him
1: yeah woulda coulda shoulda
2: yeah so yeah, but no, not because I dislike it but it's my sixth
1: something has to be at the bottom I yeah. get it
2: yeah uh five Iron Man 2 yeah um mainly I guess why it kind of falls down and there's parts of it that I love as I talked about the whole him cracking the code to save his life and the, the father son stuff I love it uh, but the ending just feels like the ending of Iron Man 1 yeah
1: and then a big fight happened
2: yeah uh, and then it kind of got tough for me for right? like for, for like 2 through 4 I'm like <laughs> I really feel like sometimes if you ask me on another day I might have these in a completely which is a demoral. compliment
1: to the Marvel Cinematic Universe at yeah. this point
2: yeah part of me thinks oh that would be like 3 and I'm like but then that means that one's gonna be 4 so anyway so where I landed was Thor is 4 um, Iron Man no Captain America's 3 Captain Iron America. Man's 2 okay. and then Avengers
1: is 1 all right. Well, like, I was just for a second there thinking, are we going to go zero for six? But no. We, we, uh, <laughs> we managed to get a couple. You know, we've, we've yet, you, yet you, to agree. So we, You, know, you pulled it out of the bottom half of your list. But... <laughs> no, actually, it's surprisingly different, but even though our lists are surprisingly different, I actually don't think we're that far apart. I think we agree that we like all of these movies, and we have to yeah. almost make up excuses to put some on top of the other. Yeah. Uh, I put Iron Man 2 at the bottom. Do I think it sucks? No, I don't think it sucks. I think... It has the most fat on it of any of the movies. It, yeah. there's, there is there's stuff that feels a little bit extraneous or that feels more necessary for the universe going forward than it does for this movie by itself. Are these quibbles? Yes. Yeah, but something's got to be at the bottom. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is where you get mad at me. In fifth place, I put in Captain America, the first Avenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fine. It's fun. It's got a good heart to it. I'm less interested in the that character personally. He's yeah. never been one of my favorites and he doesn't have the raw spectacle of, you know, right. Hulk or Thor for me. That said, going forward in Captain America, it gets so uh, good. Gets so, good. <laughs> yeah. so part of it is just like knowing how good it gets this kind of feels a little weak almost by comparison. Right. It's it's not even this movie's fault. It just, <laughs> it's it just
2: the next ones are so bloody
1: good. So perhaps overperforming all the way in fourth place, I put The Incredible Hulk. And I think this goes to me and my love of monster movies. And, <laughs> you know, that makes sense. I, I will agree with you that it feels probably the most adjacent or somehow like the odd one out of this first sweep of six. Yeah. But I really did dig Tim Roth in it. I really did like the monster fight angle. I like the, the sequence in the factory at the beginning. Of the, movie. the set pieces worked enough yeah. for me that I was able to forgive the stuff that didn't work. And the clap to knock out the cannons oh, is still one of my favorite that, bits of the whole MCU. No, we didn't even mention Hulk Smash, yeah. which was another great crowd-pleasing moment. moment. Yeah. In third place, Kenneth Branagh's Thor. It almost, it almost is so like big that it becomes ridiculous. And I worry that maybe over time that this one might be the one that ages a little bit tougher right. than some of the others. Just because of the scale and size. And that's Branagh. And it's what I love and hate about Branagh. And I mainly love Branagh. <laughs> hate such a strong word. Number two, and I think this was the toughest, but Iron Man. Right, yeah. I think as far as what it achieved and like how it managed to like really set the ball rolling in such a perfect way, it, it, in many ways it deserves to be number one, but the Avengers was the fruition. It was the, the, the tree bore fruit. This Iron Man planted the seed and and, and the Avengers (laughs) is the fruit that, that, that that seed bore. And, uh, I love both of those movies a lot. And I think those two of this bunch are going to be the ones that, you know, people will remember people will remember. Robert Downey Jr. killing it as Iron Man and being so charming and like such a fun, great movie out of the gate. And then building upon that to give us the great theatrical experience that was the Avengers. Yeah. It's one of the few big blockbusters that I feel genuinely earned its money. Yeah. And uh, that's that's where I lined up.
2: Yeah, and with Avengers too, you know, I know we have kinda of said that it set or at least I, I think we're in agreement in this, but when I said it, it kinda of has now set the table for everything that comes after. That I keep coming back to the post-credit scenes, but the post-credit scene on that one yeah. is they—they they showed Thanos. He didn't say a word, but, there he, but was. there he was. He turned his head, and as a comic book fan, as soon as I saw that image, I'm
1: like, "Holy fuck! I know where we're going." Yeah, like and I
2: knew where the arc eventually was going to take us—is we were planting seeds more.
1: to get us here. But while we were planting seeds to get us here, we were also planting, planting an orchard. Seeds. Yeah, yeah. There's more to come. And as promised, there will be more to come from Skye and Larry on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We didn't agree, but we agreed enough, damn it. Yep. Thanks for doing this, bud. My pleasure, friend. Oh, but these stories shall continue, kids, just like in the comic books. That's not the end, that's just the end of the first couple of chapters. Oh no, there's a lot more heroes to be introduced to, a lot more crossovers to happen, a lot more fights, a lot more betrayals, and indeed, some death. So, Sky shall return for another exciting edition of Rank and Review versus the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But how did we do on this first episode, or the first issue, let's call it? Do you agree with our ranks? Do you disagree with our ranks? Do you have feedback? Because if you do, there's a way you can let me know. It's at rankandreview@gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. The website is rankandreview.ca, so you can check that out and get caught up on our back catalog. If you enjoy this podcast, not only do you have great taste in podcasts, but I suspect you'll also enjoy the Shelf Shedding Movie Podcast, as well as Cobweb's Gothic Horror Podcast, and of course, the Terror Table Podcasts. They're all friends of the show, and I encourage you to fill your ears with their good, good stuff. As always, I'm your host and Random Canadian, Larry Parsons, as always, thank you so much for listening. And as always, Rankin Review tries to drop every other Wednesday. I mean, we have since September of 2013, anyway. I mean, no biggie. Until next we speak.